One of our favorite holiday greetings is, tis the season, to get as far away from winter as possible. And right now you can, during our Boxing Week blowout sale. Travel experts like me are here to get you big savings on hundreds of sunny, all-inclusives and cruises. Book by December 25th to get instant savings. In-store at South Trail Crossing Mall, online, or just give us a call. Cheers to savings at Sobeys and Safeway Liquor. J. Lower Cabernet Sauvignon, now just $19.99 with your Scene Plus card. That's $5 in savings. And you can get 2,000 Scene Plus points. See flyer for details. Savor the holidays. Sobeys and Safeway Liquor. Price is valid until December 28th. Hey, Paul Brandt here. Proud Albertan through and through. And equally proud of the truck I drive. Ford F-150. You know, driving across this great province, I've learned that no two Albertans are the same. Which is why there's a tough, capable F-150 for everyone. From the long hauler to the weekend warrior. Plus, really smart options like the available interior work surface. Choice. It's a powerful thing. So if you're looking for a new truck, head to your Alberta Ford dealer. Tell them PV sent you. The snow is here, and it's time to gear up for another season of shredding. Every Thursday morning at 7.55, Matt Rose has the snow show brought to you by Ski West. Find out the latest ski conditions and current snowfall at the hills, as well as news for the ski snowboard enthusiast. The snow show on the big show for Ski West. With Calgary's largest selection of gear and expert staff, we have you covered to make this an epic season. Visit us at our Kensington or airport location or at skiwest.ca. Sportsnet 960 The Fan need to get out of your car lease you need the exit power of lease busters canada's number one lease takeover destination and marketplace they'll maximize your exit power so getting out of your vehicle lease is easy before you give back your lease check out leasebusters.com buying a new car you could go from dealership to dealership and spend hours negotiating or you could go to carcostcanada.com choose your vehicle view your custom report see your recommended dealer it's as easy as one two three and membership is free The TSC Boxing Week Blowout is on now. Shop early and save up to 60% on amazing items from your favorite brands like Apple, Dyson, Cuisinart, and more. While quantities last, shop at home and beat the stress of Boxing Week with interest-free easy pay on all electronics. Our Boxing Week Blowout won't last long, so shop and save today at tsc.ca. Today's shopping choice. Albertans must have access to health care when and where they need it. The Government of Alberta's new Health Action Plan does just that by focusing on three key priorities. First, improving emergency room wait times by having more health professionals in the ER to free up hospital beds. Second, cutting ambulance response times by ensuring our paramedics aren't stuck in the ER with patients waiting for care. And third, reducing wait times for surgeries by using unused operating rooms in smaller cities. Help is on the way. A message from the Government of Alberta. This is CFAC, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, broadcasting from the Basement System Studio in downtown Calgary, a Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Brought to you by Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, the local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basementy, visit DLBasementSystemsCalgary.com. This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's the final show and day of games before the NHL's holiday break. Flames are one of many games on the schedule tonight. I'm Haley Salvian here with you for Hockey Central for the next hour. 
Uh, so yeah, Flames play tonight. You can see Anaheim Ducks. That game is at eight thirty. And then the schedule is going to pause until Tuesday, December twenty seventh. And that game for the Flames will be the final Battle of Alberta of the regular season against the Edmonton Oilers. Talked about this the other day on the show. Uh, but the Flames only play Pacific Division opponents until January 1st. So the rest of 2022 is going to be a really good opportunity for the Calgary Flames to get some important points against divisional opponents. They are currently third in the wild card right now. So very important if the Flames want to make their way up the Pacific Division or the playoff standings. They're one point back the Edmonton Oilers right now of the second wild card spot. They've both played 34 games. So two big points up for grabs against the 31st ranked Anaheim Ducks tonight. In Anaheim, that's the end of the Flames, California road trip. And then again, they will take a break until December 27th. Welcome to the show. I was off for a couple days. I trucked through the Tuesday show with Logan. I mentioned then that I was sick and then the very next day uh, completely lost my voice and then the day after that was pretty tough but today took a I took a shot of Buckley's we're in a winter storm and we're ready for the next hour of Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan um, I'm in Ontario right now my parents live in Niagara on the lake in Niagara Falls Ontario so I came out for the holidays to visit my family so if you hear loud gusts of wind or wind chimes or the sounds of a Pomeranian barking in the background. I do apologize. My parents are Italian, so they have the fluffy little Pomeranian dog. I feel like that's a very Italian thing. My Nona had one. You know, everyone in my family has had a Pomeranian team. So I do apologize if you get some of that noise. Uh, I know there's a storm in Calgary right now as well. So I hope everyone's staying warm, staying safe. You have power. You have everything that you need. Uh, but it is funny seeing the reaction to winter storms in Ontario after living in Calgary, Alberta for quite some time because, you know, my mom was was trying to walk down the driveway earlier today and she was having a very horrible time and it just made me think, like, my mom wouldn't have lasted two days in the Calgary winter. So things are pretty good here in Ontario, all I'm saying, and in relation to, I'm sure, what the storm is like in Calgary right now. So I want to get into the game last night. Uh, Flames lose to LA Kings 4-3 in overtime. I think a big story coming out of that game, Jonathan Huberto needs to shoot more. Uh, in overtime, he had a chance to shoot on Phoenix Copley. Instead, he made that no-look pass, that no-look drop pass for Nazem Kadri. That was intercepted. And then again, he makes an extra pass later, this time in overtime again, uh, to Michael Backlund that ultimately turns into game-ending two-on-one that Adrian Kempe buried. Um, look, I'm not saying anything controversial here. We heard it from Jonathan Huberto post-game. He needs to shoot more. He said it. I've got to shoot. Um, of course, Huberto is known as a playmaker and a very gifted one at that. But the thing is, is he needs to not just shoot more, but you've got to shoot in the natural moments where that's the smart, simple play. When you get in and you have the space to get the puck on net in overtime and you do have that grade A opportunity in tight on a goalie that's kind of, you know, against Phoenix Copley, who did have a good game, but he was in. He was in the lane, he had the shot, and he made the complicated play, which is a no-look drop pass to Nasim Kadri, which again was intercepted. You've got to take that shot. Um, so that's something that obviously we would like to see change 
from Jonathan Huberto. I thought Dan Vladar had a nice night last night, even in the overtime loss. He gives up four goals. The first 10 seconds of third weren't great. Things got pretty dicey there with two Kings goals in 10 seconds. Uh, but he played the Kevin Fiala penalty shot while in the third period. He kind of kept things in control at 3-2, to two, which then kind of allowed Dylan Dubé to come in and tie the game not long after 3-3. In all, Vladar made 28 saves on 32 shots. I think the biggest positive from that game, other than getting one point, even though, again, as we talked at the top, these are very important points against Pacific Division opponents, against this Kings team, which is in the playoffs right now where the Flames are not. Obviously, you want to get two points. Getting a point is fine. It's great. Um, But I think the biggest positive was another game, another good look for this new top line with Dylan Dubé, Tyler Toffoli, and Elias Lindholm. They've continued to click since that group was formed about five games ago now. I've really liked Dylan Dubé on this line. I think he's playing very good hockey right now. Dubé is hard on pucks. He's in on battles along the wall. He's fitting in well as that kind of puck hound player with a nose for the net. He can retrieve pucks off the boards. He can get it into the slot for guys like Toffoli, who we know Daryl Sutter's talked about as a naturally gifted goal scorer. We see it. He has a great quick release. He can get it to Elias Lindholm, who scored 40 goals last season, who has a very deceptive release, who is a gifted goal scorer in his own right. Um, But I think the other element that Dubé brings is that he's not just the guy who's doing the grunt work on the walls. When Dubé gets in the slot and he gets a scoring opportunity, he can finish those chances, which we saw against the LA Kings last night. I think he's fitting in really well. I've liked that line a lot. Um, Dubé is one of the faster, if not fastest, north-south skaters on the Calgary Flames. So I think the other element he brings is an injection of speed and play driving on that top line. I know I read the text line a lot. I read my DMs. I read uh, my replies on Twitter a lot. I know there's a lot of Flames fans who don't think Tyler Toffoli is the fastest afoot. Um, and Elias Lindholm certainly wasn't the key play driver on the Flames last season. Um, and you obviously lose a lot of speed and play driving in losing Gaudreau and Kachuk. But I think Dylan Dubé has brought that injection of speed. He He's a quick skater. He's a good player. Since they've been together, Dubé has eight points. Toffoli has six and Lindholm has nine. So that's something to keep an eye on tonight. Again, the Flames playing the Ducks at 8.30. Right back at it. We'll tee that game up some more with Lisa Dillman later in the hour. You know, here, here I am. I say I got my Buckleys and I'm ready to go and I haven't introduced who we're going to talk to today. Lisa Dillman's going to come on later in the hour. She covers the Anaheim Ducks and the NHL for the OC Register. She'll come on. We'll look at the enemy. We'll talk about that game that's coming up tonight. Uh, but for now, we're going to go to the Atlas Pizza guest hotline and talk to Sean Gentilly. He is a national writer at The Athletic. Sean, how are you? Are you also in a storm? Do you have power? Do you have heat? How are you? I have power, have heat. I was without them for several hours from the early morning on until uh, until after lunch. It is zero Fahrenheit here. I don't, I know the conversion is, I think it's like minus 16 maybe or something. I'm not totally sure where it's freezing. I'm miserable. How are you feeling? You sound okay. Do I? That's great. Well, I feel fine. Um, (laughs) I feel okay. I'm just reading the text Mm -hmm. line here. I, I, I warned the listeners that I am doing the show from my parents' home in Niagara-on-the-Lake. 
And I said, if you hear wind, if you hear wind chimes, if you hear a yappy Pomeranian, I apologize. And uh, I don't know if you heard it, Sean, while I was bringing you in, but Penny just made her first entrance. The snowplow drove by and she was not happy. So it's fine. She stopped. She stopped. So that's good. I don't hear anymore. That's a good sign. For now. We'll see how it goes. I was told that it was really bad in, in Calgary. I feel like producer... Cameron has led me astray. Someone on the text line says, Storm, we only got a couple centimeters of fresh powder. That's just extra grip on the road, baby. That's from Cody. I guess he's just Calgary, baby. I think a couple of Calgary. Yeah, well, that's what I said. So I took a really funny picture of my mom today. I <laughs> I said before we started the sh- when I was starting the show that my mom wouldn't last, you know, two days in Alberta. And I didn't, I failed to mention maybe the cruel part is my mom was struggling to walk down the driveway. I took a bunch of pictures Mm -hmm. because she just looked so feeble. I was like, this is really funny. It's not even that bad. Uh, So thanks, Cody. I guess a couple centimeters of snow would be a lot for somebody in Ontario. Not a storm. she's She's not built for the Alberta life. We know that about her. No, my mom and the Pomeranian are not built for the snow. <laughs> They're not built from the outdoors. Okay, I apologize to Cameron. He just sent me a picture of the snow. I think Cody's just Cody's a lot tougher than Mrs. Salvian. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But, Sean, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about some hockey. It's the final day of games before the NHL takes its holiday break. Flames and Ducks is at 8.30, 10.30 for you, Sean, and for me in Ontario watching watching this one. Um, but one of the early games that I've circled that I wanted to talk to you about, Bruins-Devils. Boston, still number one team in the league. They're very hard to beat at home in regulation. Uh, the Devils are falling back to earth a bit through December, and their schedule is about to get really tough. Um, I think the question on this one, do you think this game is going to teach us anything about who the Devils really are? Like a game against the number one ranked Boston Bruins, is this going to like give us an indication if the Devils are legit or if they've kind of been pretenders through a really hot stretch in November? That's a good question. I think, okay, so I'm imagining what happens if the Devils were to lose this game. Like if they go out tonight and it's 4-2 Bruins, whatever, whenever it's all said and done. I don't think that would change my opinion on the Devils because we know how good they can be, right? Like, you you don't go on that streak they were on, you know, if you don't have a really strong baseline of talent. Uh, But we also know that they've got – they've also got some work to do. Like, we already know what the issues are there with with them. Like, right, we've seen it over the last couple weeks. So, I think – and it's kind of a roundabout way to answer the question, but I think like the last 10 days or 14 days of games that we've seen from them have kind of like returned and have brought them back down to the right level. Like, I think that's what's tempered expectations. I don't sure. think, I don't, I, I think, I think everybody collectively has, you know, the right idea about them. The excitement's kind of been tamped down. You know, and I don't think I need to see them do anything in particular against the Bruins to to like flesh out my opinion on them. I, I I think I'm I think I'm solid there. Right, but I do think there was people looking at the Devils as this like hot, amazing, <laughs> unstoppable force in November, and so I guess maybe the 
I know we've seen what they can do when they're clicking and then we see the losing streak. I just wonder which version is the real version that we're going to see when it actually matters. And I guess the answer is probably pretty simple. And I'm probably putting way too much stock into one game before the holiday break in December, but it's probably just somewhere in the middle. Right. But I, I just, I wonder where they're going to end up later in the season because their schedule is about to get very difficult. And I wonder how they're going to hold up against that. Absolutely. And they've got two really good teams uh, in the mix there in, in that division, right? Like Carolina's passed them up. They have the Penguins are still the Penguins. You know, Carolina beat, came back to beat and beat Pittsburgh in the third period last night. It was a, that was a, that was a solid one. And I think that was a good glimpse at, you know, what New Jersey is going to be up against moving forward. Those are two, those are two really good teams and they're going to play them a lot more now than they did, you know, in say October, October and November. So yeah, we're, we're going to learn more about them. Right. But in terms of one game, I, I, Haley, I think you said it like before the, before the holiday break, I, I, I'm just not willing to, you know, stake a, a, a full-fledged opinion on that. Like, like we're going to learn more. Absolutely, this this stretch they're getting in with the with their schedule is is going to teach us something. But if they, like I said, if whether they go out and beat the Bruins, like we know that this is a team that's capable of beating the Bruins, and we know that it's a team that's capable of 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 getting of getting spanked by them too. Like, I, if if one of those things happens, I I don't think I don't think it'll it'll be a surprise. Yeah, I still think the New Jersey Devils make the playoffs this year. I think when you look at the Eastern Conference and you look at what teams are in the wild card race, like I think it would take teams like Washington turning things around and getting and beating them, um, or you know the Florida Panthers <laughs> turning things around. And mm. this is my segue because I want to talk about the Florida Panthers, and we can revisit the big blockbuster trade a little bit, but I think I just want to focus on Florida specifically because. They went from the President's Trophy winners to a 500 hockey team right now. It's been a pretty significant fall from grace. Kachuk has been very good there, as expected. Um, I don't think anybody was unrealistic in the fact or lying to themselves about the fact that the Panthers got the single best player in that deal just based on how young he is and the positive impacts he can make on the ice. I think Mackenzie Weger has been very good in Calgary. Jonathan Huberto, uh, we still haven't seen the, you know, 115 point Jonathan Huberto mm-hmm. in Calgary yet. Um, but this is a Florida team that's been pretty underwhelming to this point. There's been injuries, there's been circumstances affecting this team, but what do you make of the Panthers and what we've seen so far this year? They need to get moving or else it's going to get dark real early there for them. Like they're, I mean, I know we, we all track the standings and it's like, keep kind of waiting for them to mount the push. It just hasn't, it hasn't happened. And it's kind of been a, it's been a little bit, and you alluded to this, it's been a little bit of a rolling set of issues for them, right? Like they weren't getting enough from Bobrovsky earlier. And, you know, maybe there was some adjustment period for for the way the lines shook out. The one kind of consistent issue for them, and this is, uh, this has certainly gotten worse under Paul Maurice, but it was an issue under Andrew Burnett, and especially in the postseason last year, is that their power play is horrific. <laughs> And I think that's something that, you know, I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of us who focus more on on uh, on kind of analytics and database analysis are guilty of it too. Where, you know, you almost want to th- we give short shrift to things that happen on special teams. And the Panthers are example one A 
of what happens if you if you ignore that too much, right? Because this is a top ten league wide defensive team or a, a five on five team, right? They're top ten in expected goals against percentage, and they're tops their top ten actual goals percentage. This is not a team that should be solidly outside the wild card picture at, at this point, but here they are, and it's because, like I said, five on four, they're abysmal on the season and they in in this last little mini skid they've gone and they've they've been they've been even worse. At one point they were like 1 for 24 I think in their last you know over the course of like their last five games or or what like this is it, it's been an issue, right? And and we've seen it and it's part of the reason they lost in the playoffs so the the way that they did and it's carried over. So you take that within with you know lineup changes and adjusting without Uyghur and whatever else and and I think it I don't want to say it was predictable because I don't think anybody would have said, you know, on December 23rd, they would, they would be where they are, but there's a learning curve and there's a new coach and there's outstanding issues too. And I think we've seen that all kind of come to a head and and bite them here in in the last little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, revisiting the trade because the calendar is going to flip, but we're going to go into the holiday break. And then there's a couple more games left until 2023. I mean, when we flash back to when the big, Kachuk Huberto Uyghur trade happened. Like, did you see both teams looking like this? Like, when you no. not instead of just looking at winners and losers here, because I don't think we can say who won or lost that deal yet. Maybe you say it's the Panthers because they got Kachuk and he's younger and he's playing really well, and his positive impact has probably been greater in terms. If you look at the game score and his production, greater than maybe what Uyghur and Huberto have brought to the Flames. I think we can. there's a fair argument to be made there, but it's kind of irrelevant because neither of these teams are looking the way that we would have expected when we saw this swap. Yeah. Can you win a, Can anybody win a trade when both teams are, like, markedly measurably worse than they were before it? Like, I don't know. I mean, the, the truism for a reason is that if you get the best player in the deal, you win the deal, right? We've heard that a gazillion times. By that measuring stick, it's the Panthers. It's going to be the Panthers. It was the Panthers over the summer. Matthew Kachuk is better than Jonathan Uberdo. But when you're talking about Uberdo and Uyghur in tandem, like that kind of that kind of challenges that, you know, that kind of assumption. But yeah, it hasn't worked. The pan the the pan and it's through no fault through Kachuk's been like you said this. He's been outstanding. Whatever's going on with Florida has nothing to do with him. I don't know that you can say the same about. Uberdo and Uyghur, but yeah, the the mix is off. This is certainly not what I was personally anticipating uh, the early results to look like. I I think I've said it on your show like every time I've come on, like every couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, I picked the uh, the Calgary yeah. to win the cup. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, I did it preseason. So I'm like the last person to try to, you know, you want to try to figure out why this isn't working or what's gone wrong because I was all in on them you know, coming out on top, especially early. I think that's the issue, right? This is the season that that it that felt like the Flames They needed to capitalize on this window. Mm-hmm. And it's not happening. Not yet. Not yet at least. They're one point out of the wild card spot right now, one point behind the Edmonton Oilers. And I know the team wants to be in a playoff position before Christmas, before this holiday break. They've got a good opportunity to pick up two points against the Anaheim Ducks, who are 31st in the league. And I know on our podcast that we host together on The Athletic, we have our recurring segment, which used to be the Anaheim Ducks regulation win tracker. It's now the regulation wins tracker. And 
folks, it's now up to three. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so two important points for the Flames on a back-to-back. They pick up one point against the Kings yesterday, and now they've got the Ducks. So they've got an opportunity to maybe move up the ladder a little bit, you know, get some important points against mm-hmm. division rivals, but we'll see if the Flames can put themselves in a comfortable position heading into the 2023 version of, or portion, mm-hmm. I should say, of the season. Um, in your power rankings, those posted on The Athletic this morning, along with Dom Luschishin, you had the Flames 16th. And so every week, if you listeners are not familiar, mm-hmm. Sean and Dom have a little thing. They have a little shtick. They have a little theme of the week. And this week was uh, at the top of Santa's nice list for each team. You guys selected Chris Tanev for the Flames. So Chris Tanev's the MVP, the top of the nice list for the Calgary Flames. Can you talk about why you guys see him as so valuable to the Flames in your opinion? It just comes, you look at the roster and I think the question becomes who on it is performing above expectations. Like who truly, you know, can, can you say is, is, is kind of out kicking their coverage on that. Tyler Toffoli, sure. Adam Razichka, sure. But other than that, uh, it, the list dwindles pretty quickly. Chris Tana has been a great player for a really long time. He always feels underappreciated. They're better when he's on the ice. You know, he just he's a he's a steady dude. He was in Vancouver. He's he is in Calgary. He will be for his entire career. Where you know, it's it's kind of a I, I'm I'm like preaching to the choir here because I I know how people feel about him in Calgary. But the the guy's the guy's is a security blanket, right? Like they're they're better when he's on the ice. That was one of the easier choices we had, honestly, because because just because of um you know the the, the expectations that. You know, they've, they've failed to meet. But, yeah, this is a pro. The Power Rings is a pro Chris Tanev space, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dom did a um, Chris Tanev story with me. Although, Dom is a recently new Chris Tanev appreciator because Dom was mm-hmm. actually the reason why I went back and did one of my first big Chris Tanev pieces, which was when that signing originally happened – in the, I guess, the summer of 2019 or whenever free agency was, because that was a weird schedule year. Uh, Dom was like, oh, this is a terrible contract. There's going to be no value here. This guy is like washed. He's beyond his years. And then Chris Tanev came out and had one of the single best defensive impacts in the league that year. (laughs) And I made Dom like eat his words and work on a story with me about why Chris Tanev actually proved Dom wrong. And it was excellent. It was very fun. Wait, so Dom actually admitted to being wrong? Is that what you're saying? That is right. Yeah. The numbers did not lie. He was incredibly wrong and he continues to be because, yes, you're preaching the choir. Listeners are big Chris Tanev fans, as am I said it before, I, I call him the security blanket. He's the anxiety blanket. He is, mm-hmm. the Flames are a better team when Chris Tanev is there. And I think you notice it way more when he's hurt now. After seeing what they looked like in the playoffs last year without Chris yeah. Tanev and then seeing him gone in spurts this year, it makes you appreciate him even more. Um, other teams that his you talked greatest, about. His, oh, his, go ahead. His, by the way, his, his greatest contribution of all is that he got Dom to admit he was wrong that's that's hard yeah congratulations christina yeah. a very impressive absolutely. guy <laughs> absolutely um okay another one here because we're going through the power rankings you're a national writer we're going 
were going around the league right now with a sprinkle of flames, obviously. Are the Buffalo Sabres mm-hmm. actually good? <laughs> because I think they went from yet. like, oh my God, they look really great, but we know this isn't going to happen. That was kind of the the vibe with the, I think that's so overused and I hate that I just said that, but that was kind of the feeling mm-hmm. around the Buffalo Sabres at the beginning of the year is, wow, this was so unexpected. They're way better than we thought. This won't last. Let's ride the roller coaster, ride the wave. Uh, and they're still, you know, posting pretty good numbers. They're they're clicking along, but you're not there yet. You don't think you're not ready to call the Sabres a good team. I'm close. I think we need I think there's a difference between accepting that a team has good players on it and that a team is actually good in totality. And I think I'm sort of like stuck in limbo with the Sabres there. Because look, Tage Thompson, unbelievable. Right. He's great. People mm-hmm. just need to internalize yeah. that and stop and stop acting, you know, like this is a surprise anymore. That was my next question like... for you. You are the one person who's not like, because I think the conversation with Tage Thompson is, isn't just appreciating how good he is. It's like, where did this come from? And you hate that. I, you are the one person I know I, who's it, like, it stop, me. stop. It drives me insane. This guy, the guy is the guy is a physical toolbox that you that you never see. He was a productive player for the U.S. national team. He was a first round pick. Buffalo liked him enough to make him the centerpiece of the Ryan O'Reilly trade. Like this guy has his dad's a coach. Like the, the dude has bona fides, unquestionably, and always has. On top of immense physical skills, like was he? Where did this come garbage? from? <laughs> Yeah. Was he garbage for a couple of years in Buffalo? Like, yeah, absolutely. But I don't know, man. Maybe this maybe the gigantic six seven unicorn took a little a little bit longer to mature as a player. And that's what we're seeing now, right? Like we need to just accept the fact that he's good and mm-hmm. stop being shocked by it. We can be delighted by it. I love watching Tage Thompson more than any player in the league right now, right? watching him pull off the stuff he's pulling off on a nightly basis. But we need to stop being surprised by it. Enjoy it, but don't but don't be shocked anymore. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Where do you stand on Josh Norrissey? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. Josh Morrissey. Yeah. The Winnipeg Jets. I was waiting. I was waiting for you to correct yourself. Yeah. Wait. I, it is, I mean, we're 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 going. We're, we're rolling with Norrissey. Like I'm I'm fine with that. You're on board for that. Like you think he's having, he's putting together a Norris Trophy caliber season, or you just don't I'm hate like, the nickname. <laughs> I love the nickname. Um, do I think if they gave out the Norris Trophy today that I would vote for Josh Morrissey? Possibly. I'm close. I think it's probably still Adam Fox for me, just because Fox does so much. But I think Murat Atesh did a good job writing about Norsey on on the on the athletic uh, at the athletic a, a couple of days ago, and I, I totally agree with him here. Uh, the the stuff Morrissey's done, the production that he's shown night in night out, you know, setting up teammates, crazy slap passes, just being an offensive force that outweighs any issues he has in his own end. All that stuff counts, and that's why I'm on board with like saying, yeah, this the guy, this guy's 38 games he's played or whatever it's been, fantastic. Deserves all the credit in the, in, in the world for him. 
if that's what a Norris campaign, if that's where it began and ended, right? If it was like, who is your Norris winner from day one until December 23rd? He's right there. Like, he might not be number one. He's probably in my top three. Do I think that is going to last for the duration of the season? I don't. <laughs> because it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask mm-hmm. to, to for, for a player whose candidacy is built largely on these, like, fantastic individual offensive efforts as a defenseman to kind of keep it going. So, like, I don't think he's got 40 more games of this in him, but I was wrong about him before, so we'll see. But I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. It's a Tage Thompson situation. I love seeing what Josh Norrissey does night in and night out because it feels like he's just a staple of, the, of, the, of, of highlight culture at this point. Right. Um, okay, before I let you go, we've got like two minutes left here before I got to go to break. And then we're going to talk to Lisa Dillman, actually. She's the next guest. So this is a this mm-hmm. is a fun one for me because I love Lisa Dillman. She's awesome. You worked with her for a while at The Athletic, too. She's the best. She's now with the OC Register. She rocks. So we're going to get the Ducks from her perspective. But I guess is there a team that you looked at in the power rankings? Like when you said that this the Flames and picking Chris Tanner was one of the easier ones. Was there a team that was particularly difficult because things have been um, either not going their way or <laughs> like because there was no options or they had too many? Like, was there one that really stood out to you when you were going through the power rankings last night? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the best part about the Ducks and the best part about the six teams that are at the bottom of the standings league wide is that they're terrible and they're on track to continue being terrible, right? Like, that's the point in the season we're at where, you know, it's time to. If you care about those teams, it's time to, and, and you're a fan, it's probably time to start rooting for losses and to bank some, bank some uh, ping pong balls in the Connor Bedard lottery machine or the Adam Fantelli uh, lottery machine, right? This is so root for losses. That's fine, but the ducks, the ducks are a tough case. If you're if you're trying to find anything truly positive, other than just losing as many games as possible, not a lot of good stuff is happening. There isn't much good stuff happening in Anaheim, right? Like Zegers hasn't gone supernova. He's not having the Jack Hughes season. Troy Terry, you know, was had a 37 goal year last year. He's well off that pace, even though he has been good. Jamie Drysdale, John John Gibson is like looking like he's submarining his own trade value. John Klingberg signed a flip at the deadline. Like he's been about as bad as possible. There's not a ton to like there. Mm-hmm unless you're just rooting from the lose as many games as possible, in which case, congratulations, they're, they're managing it. Do you think anyone bites on Klingberg at the deadline? You know, do you think somebody goes, yeah. like, he's going to look better in our system than theirs? So, you know, here's XXX yeah. assets. I mean, we saw Ben Chirac go for a ton. He's the big hockey man that we know GMs love, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure the Flames were interested in him last year. I believe there was multiple reports of that. But someone's going to bite on Klingberg, even though he's been pretty bad in Anaheim. He's a right shot defenseman with a pulse, right? Like someone's someone's going to trade for him. It's just not going to be a haul. And I think that's, you know, in a perfect world, if you're Anaheim and, and if you're Pat Verbeek, that's that's what it is. Like you're you're carrying like the big trade, the big card at the deadline. And Klingberg hasn't been yeah. close. They signed him for one year, seven million dollars. That's you know. He's the guy you signed to trade, more than likely. And he hasn't been there, but okay. again, you said it. Right shot, right shot D at the deadline. He's on an expiring contract. He's got at least some kind of track record of recent success. Someone's going to want him. It's just not going to be, you know, flip him for 
a blue chipper in a, in a, in a pick. Sure. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, Sean. You're welcome, Haley. All right. There goes Sean Gentilly, national writer at The Athletic. Always nice to just throw random things at him because he will talk about it. It makes my job a lot easier. That conversation with Sean on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we're going to tee up the Flames-Ducks matchup that's happening tonight. Puck drop at 8.30 with Lisa Dillman. She covers the Ducks for the OC Register. That's next on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to the program. Final 10, 12 minutes left of the show before I sign off for the holidays. I will be watching the Flames and Ducks game tonight. I will keep an eye. You know, I'll watch critically, but I won't be working. I'm not going to be taking notes or anything, you know? I'm not going to write a story. I won't be on the radio about it because I'm going to be off for the holiday break as well. Someone else who's going to be watching this game? It's Lisa Dillman. She covers the Ducks. She covers the NHL for the OC Register. She joins us now on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. Lisa, how are you? Thank you so much for joining the show. Well, it's great to be doing this again. It feels like old times, Haley. (laughs) I know. I miss talking to you all the time. I should just call you more out of the blue. I know, I know. Just a chat. I was thinking about all those, uh, <laughs> it's like uh, all those stories we used to do with Max where we read, you were covering Ottawa and I was covering the Kings. Yes. And we were, we'd be writing about the lottery, which I think I'll be doing The again. Rebuilders Roundtable. Yes, I was thinking of you yesterday because I fired up Tankathon to play a couple rounds and look at who might get Connor Bedard. And the Ducks won one of them. I was like, oh, man, I remember doing this with Lisa and Max all the time. <laughs> because, yeah, the Sens were bad, and so were the Kings. Obviously, that rebuild has bared pretty good fruit, as we saw from the Kings yesterday against Flames. But, yes. yeah, I miss those times. I love Tankathon. I do, too. I do, it's too. The best. And, it's um, and this, So who won the other, who won the other uh, times you fired up the Tankathon uh, engine? Okay, so the Canucks actually won one of them. They jumped up like okay. six spots, which is the max, right? So that was that was the most dramatic <laughs> fake draft in December, fake draft lottery in December that I did. And then I think the Blackhawks won one of them. So I just did three rounds. Okay, well, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite a race <laughs> at the bottom. I was just uh, looking at the numbers today. It's it's uh, Columbus is right in there, and uh, you know. Oof. Who knows what Arizona's going to end up doing? But they've actually overachieved a little bit more than I thought. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you look at the teams at the bottom, and I think we knew that the Ducks weren't going to be great. I don't know if I expected them to be 31 out of 32, though. Is this an underachieving Ducks group, or is this about what you expected so far this season? Oh, yeah, I would agree with you. I think they're underachieving. Um, I had When the Kings and Ducks played for the first time this season, again, we had to do a little bit of a roundtable, and I said, you know, not, not they're not as bad as their record indicates, um, and we nobody thought that they would be struggling as as much as as they have so far. Um, but I guess you know, you know, hindsight is always great, 
I suppose if you really look at it, maybe we shouldn't be a surprise considering, you know, this is a defense that a year ago had Hampus Lindholm and Josh Manson and then had Ricky Raquel up front. And now, you know, all three of them traded away last year at the deadline. So, um, you know, it's not really surprising that that a defense um, lacking those two players is is struggling as much as they have been. And, and, And their big free agent acquisition, John Klimberg, until recently had really struggled um, to, to find his way. And, and I think nobody really quite expected him to have such an adjustment period that has gone so long. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I've seen, you know, there was a compilation, I think somebody posted on Twitter not too long ago of just Trevor Zegers post game talking about how much this sucks and they're sick of losing. And he just looks so dejected and it looks like it's been a really bad year I mean at one point I I just had Sean Gentilly on the show and one of the things he and I had talked about previously is you know the regulation win tracker for the Ducks it was one now it's up to three um it's been it's been a tough year for a lot of these guys um the the win tracker I I feel awful but you know what do you hit three in the last week yeah it'll yeah one hitting into Montreal and then you know Montreal and Edmonton back to back so that's that's how they got to three so yeah it's been it's been amazing I think the game against Edmonton you know they go in and they they beat the Oilers four to three like that's probably the (laughs) most recent obviously and close to home example for the Flames on this back-to-back in a day where they, you know, they talked about this trip and they've got, you know, big points on the line on this California road trip. They want to be in a playoff spot before Christmas. Don't take the, you know, 31 out of 32 place ducks mm-hmm. lightly because they just beat the Oilers last week. Um, you know, what do Flames fans need to know heading into this? Like, how can the ducks beat the Flames? Like, what does Calgary need to know when we're kind of scouting the opposition there? Well, that, that game does serve as a reminder that you can't take really any team lightly. It sounds like a cliche, but it's it's true because it was Saturday in Edmonton. And the Ducks, if everything falls correctly, they, you know, they have to get near-perfect goaltending, which they almost did. You know, they were outshot 23-2 to two in the third period and still won, killed off penalties late. Oh um, <laughs> you know, I, I think the Flames, I know it's, it's amazing when you sort of go through the whole thing. The Flames... You know, if the Ducks, if the Ducks, you know, they've been taking penalties right and left. Their their PK um, is a little bit well. Actually, it, it has been at the bottom. They're thirty first. Only Vancouver's worse. Um, if they go to the box, the Flames. I mean, having even watched them last night briefly, you know, that's that's the way they can clearly clearly take advantage. Um, you sort of start to wonder. Um, the, the, the Ducks have, you know, injuries all over the place, including their number one and number two goalies. So this Lucas Dostal has, has been the, the he's, you know, he's a rookie, he's 22. He's um, started six of the last seven games. And then the seventh game in Toronto, he came in in relief. So, you know, he's been playing an awful lot. So if, if he's showing any signs of weariness, that could, you know, be another box that the Flames could could check off. But the kid's been, the kid's been terrific. He's been, he hasn't been phased. Mm-hmm. He was not phased. Play McDavid and Drysaitel. He he wasn't. He was in awe of being in Montreal, but he didn't let that impact his game. It's good context to know because it looks like that Dostal is going to be in net for the Ducks tonight against the Flames. Calgary two zero and one on this trip so far. It looks like we're going to find out starting goalie and any lineup changes for Flames during warm up. That's from uh, Sportsnet's Pat Steinberg. Um, 
when it comes to the ducks, I think revealing his Daryl's not Daryl's not revealing injuries just yet. <laughs> You'll be shocked to find that we don't know who's in the lineup. We don't know who's starting, and it's actually funny. I think you know there's been some mem- media members who have dared ask multiple times about injured guys and starting goalies and healthy scratches and. He has now gone so far to be like, just stop asking me that. <laughs> just stop. I'm not telling you. Just stop asking. Like, don't waste your time. And I feel like that's the kind of advice that you probably give people when they start covering Daryl is just don't waste your time. Save the bullet. Don't do it. You're not going to know. And he's probably just going to get grumpy about it. Just save it. Don't do it. <laughs> you would know. I think you told me that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> when I started I did. And yesterday – Yesterday was, in fact, I, I believe the 11th anniversary of his very first game coaching the Kings. So I thought that was really yes. weird, a weird, crazy coincidence that here he is playing in the arena, formerly known as Staples Center, <laughs> against mm-hmm. the Kings. Yep, so yep. and he was there. Cool. Yeah, it's a funny little anniversary. I wonder, obviously, the schedule makers have so much going on. It's like, huh. When you think of how much goes into making the schedule for that to, to be the thing that falls is pretty cool. Um, one of the things that seems to be going well for this team, I know Trevor Zegris is the eye-popping skill, uh, but I wanted to ask you about Troy Terry. I think a 37-goal season is going to be tough to replicate, but I think he's proving this year that his play from last season was not a fluke. Like, they've got a player in Troy Terry. Yeah, they do. He do. He's, he is proving that he's not a like a one-hit wonder or one-season wonder, you know. You know, on a, on a bad team like this, you know, leading them with 28 points, um, and, and actually showing showing the leadership skills. Uh, they don't have a captain per se. They don't have a captain that's sort of sharing the duties, and they'll probably name a captain. Well, who knows? Pat Verbeek said it could even be a couple more years, but he's assuming that leadership mantle. And and you know, the kid, he's very hard on himself when when things aren't going well, like like the rest of them are. But but his play has not has not dropped off because there's been more demands on him. The way the way the roster is constructed, there's much more responsibility, um, and, and his play has not shown. I mean, he's one of the few bright spots in, 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 a, in a, what has been a very rough season. What do you make of Mason McTavish this year? I, um, I wasn't sure what to expect out of him, but he is a kid. He, you know, he's, he's 19. He's probably, I think he, I was researching his, the kids, uh, the, the rookies in the scoring race, he's of, of the 10. I think he, he's the youngest at 19. The, the original plan was to sort of uh, slowly have him develop, have him play on the wing, an occasional game at center here or there. Well, he's in the middle, and I, I don't want to predict anything, but I think it's pretty easy to say he will not be budging out of the middle the rest of the season. Um, and that's the interesting thing is you can see him you know, figuring things out, developing, you know, getting better with each five-game segment. Um, he's starting to take face-offs in the D zone. They're trusting him on some PK duties. Um, he's, he's a playmaker. And, and this is a kid who, as you know, has played a lot of hockey in the last year. Um, and that, that's mm-hmm. what did catch up with him in camp. Um, you know, he came straight from the World Juniors and, and came in, started training. I think maybe took two days off, if that, um, and then played in the rookie tournament and then went straight to training camp. And you could kind of see all that hockey wear on him. But, you know, a little, he was injured, a little time off, and he's, he's bounced back. Um, and he's, he's mature. I mean, he carries himself like he's been in the league for like six or seven years. 
um, there's a situation where I, I asked to interview him, and they said, yeah, he'll talk to you after he, he stretches. I think he stretched for 45 minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> he said he needs to do that to take care of his body. I'm thinking, wow. You know, the, I, I've been around players. That, that took It took them much longer to figure that out. Oh, for sure. I feel like you hear so often with young players about the little details and things that they need to do to mature and become more professional. And so I'm always surprised when you hear these young players are already kind of checking all those boxes and taking care of those things, whether it's details off the ice and their training, the way they take care of themselves, or just you know, being better defensively, X, Y, Z. It seems like Mason Katavich is uh, doing a good job checking those boxes. I know you didn't have a ton of time, Lisa, so I wanted to keep it quick with you. I made Sean talk way longer. I threw way more random stuff at him. So thank you for, for coming on and taking the time. I'm going to do this more because I miss talking to you, and this was great. Well, I miss talking to you too. This has been great catching up and uh, I always appreciate you taking the time and it's always, always a lot of fun. Yeah. I will call you off the air also. We don't have to just talk about hockey. I'll call call you. Thanks, Lisa. (laughs) Stay safe. Happy holidays. Yes, you too. There goes Lisa Dillman. She covers the Anaheim Ducks. She covers the league for the OC Register. She's been doing this for a long time and she's great. Again, she didn't have a lot of time today, so... Kept her short. That's all the time we have today. And I should mention that conversation with Lisa was brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. You can dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. I just wanted to leave everyone with a bit of good news. This is from Kelsey Snow. She is the wife of Flames Assistant General Manager Chris Snow, um, after two weeks in hospital and two times on life support, she says Chris is home with his family for Christmas for the holidays. So I just wanted to say before we end the show, I'm wishing the Snow family all the best and to you, the listeners as well. I hope everyone has a lovely holiday Christmas, if that's what you celebrate over this next stretch. The Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich is coming up next. And we will see you all next week on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan.